0: I think I did, Diane. I think I did. Of course, I thinking it, you thinking it doesn't you quite I have the you th- value that it had, uh, you know, ten years ago or so. Thinking that you know something is no longer a right as a, a high an average of success as uh, in previous years. But hey, we soldier on. You
1: know,
0: <laughs> we keep our uh, we keep our bait dry. No, what is it? Keep our powder dry. Keep our bait wet. <laughs> <laughs> and we say, it's 9.28 a.m. Saturday, September the 17th, 2022. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and
1: Diane <laughs> Yeah. There
0: well, we are. I slept in again. I'm sorry the late start for the the show. What can you do? We're becoming a a brunch show rather than a breakfast (laughs) show. How tough can that If even that. If even that. (laughs) Late brunch. Last seating for brunch. Speaking of brunch, we went for brunch yesterday. He did. That was yummy. That was yummy. We went to the Queen Mary Tea House. And I had a sausage scramble with fruit. Uh, a skin what was it blueberry orange
2: no it's currant they're currants Currants. those little those little uh, berries it's like the traditional British scone it was with currants currants yes
0: Okay. what about formers (laughs) did formers get a scone
2: (laughs) Uh. Queen Mary's is a very teeny tiny little tea shop uh, right around the university area. And I don't even know how I first learned about it. It's been decades ago that I had learned about Queen Mary's.
0: It's been there a long time.
2: And I remember the first time I went that I was just astonished by how good the the breakfasts were. And you can go there to have... Uh, high tea too, and I have done that a couple of times, a few times, but I actually prefer the breakfasts. um Just because they are quite remarkable. I don't know what it is about those breakfasts, but they are amongst the most delectable that I have had.
0: Well, they have really good fruit. I'll tell you that.
2: Everything's ripe. the The food is hot. the The potatoes that they have as a side are their own exquisite dish and then the scones that was the the scones with chantilly cream
0: yes and I was That's about amazing. a third of the way through my eggs when the scone hit bottom
2: <laughs> I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip <laughs> and, uh,
0: I realized I could stop here but am I going to stop here? yeah, I am
2: an egg. <laughs> yeah. So well I, when I first suggested that we go it was mainly because I wanted to have the scones I was thinking I don't know what brought it to my mind but I thought man the last time we went out for a really nice breakfast was at Queen Mary's with Alice on my 65th birthday that was my treat for that day and I thought I would like to do that again but I didn't anticipate how because this place is so tiny that you're really smushed in with a bunch of other tables and yeah i was telling
0: diana i wish i had taken this mr microphone with us to the to there so that i could have recorded that just the ambient sound in that room was delicious it was really quite lovely
2: well everybody is is having a special time who's there and there was nothing irritating to me about being so close to everybody and It just seemed like there was a charged atmosphere that I really enjoyed yeah. and it kind of reminded me because you had been speaking in one of your notebook pages that you read on Tuesday night about that that absence of people and faces and voices by going to coffee shops, and I was thinking, well, here it is, you yeah. know, yeah. and besides that, the place is just beautifully it's
0: rather uh busily decorated
2: beautifully and extravagantly decorated i mean there's just like things are there's lots to look at eye candy everywhere but um
0: mostly old teacups and things like
2: that but even the the wallpaper the everything's rich and there's a
0: wainscoting kind of motif on the wallpaper i
2: mean even to go into the bathroom i was thinking when i went to the bathroom oh, Bill should go to this bathroom because they had a cartoon of the Mad Hatter. So, I don't know. I think I've used the bathroom there before. It's quite, it's a tiny bathroom too, but just extravagantly decorated in in these things. It's just a, it's a total experience in and of itself, I believe. You walk through the door and you're in another
0: world kind of thing. If the, if the... White persons have British accents. that would pretty much do it. If they could yeah. get all the. If they could get all the help to you know. You know. Yes.
2: <laughs> what do we have today? And we did not order tea because order tea. the tabletop is so small. Right.
0: I couldn't picture a pot of tea, and all our food and fixings.
2: Or two pots of tea because oh, if yeah. you order tea, you get a pot each. But I also felt like. You know they they bring around those samples, you know? They yeah. they bring around little samples of tea at various and times in little shot glasses. And, and, and
0: they're, it's kind of lukewarm, so it's just drinkable temperature. And uh, I think that's they do that to help give the kitchen some time to get things ready, but it's a great experience. It becomes part of the experience, these little intervals of sampling exotic teas. They usually bring out a black tea and a herbal tea and if you're there long enough, you get another round. Of black tea but a different we had variety. one of
2: strawberry peppercorn yes. that had a little bit of peppercorn bite in it and we had a uh, coconut co- oolong co- coconut oolong and the other one was sort of a rose uh a rose hips and oh, yeah. raspberry right. I think
0: no it was no it was hibiscus
2: hibiscus and raspberry and raspberry yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. yep Quite so nice. quite a lovely experience. And it's weird because uh, I work on Mondays and Tuesdays. Bill works on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And there's always a feeling on Fridays like it's Saturday. <laughs> uh, so most of the day I kept feeling like it was Saturday. But then I was thinking, it feels like right now since I've retired, like we have two Saturdays.
0: That's true. We'll have to alter, alter all our calendars.
2: <laughs> Saturday number one, yeah. Saturday number two. No,
0: just Saturday <laughs> and more Saturday.
2: <laughs> yeah. Although Freya would be very upset that we were True. not honoring okay. her day.
0: Okay, all right. We don't have to do it. Anyway. So that happened. Poetry break was not my best, but I think I got through it okay. I was posting the video of it up to YouTube yesterday and thought, well, that wasn't a total train wreck.
2: It wasn't. I a always train think wreck. it's
0: more of a train wreck than it is. And I talk about what a train wreck it is more than it actually is a train wreck, which is an annoying habit of mine that I apologize for again and again.
2: <laughs> so you're going to apologize <laughs> yeah. for the apology. Sorry.
0: Sorry that I ruined today's show by bringing you know, him. Yeah.
2: So. Well, you had just taken a nap right before
0: got, you. It was one of those naps that I took that, where you wake up and you just feel fuzzy-headed from then on. You know, it kind of messes up the rest had, uh, of your day. And so I was kind of in that fuzziness. I didn't feel like I read very well. But
2: well, you had, you, some, you had some you uh, had some challenging words there. Yeah.
0: I could not get norepinephrine. No norepinephrine. <laughs> I didn't see the r for some reason. I was looking at the word I didn't see the r so I was going no epine- that's not how you spell that. There's an r in there somewhere and then when you said it and I looked at it again there was the r. <laughs> So these are the kinds of things that are happening to me in my geezerdom ladies and gentlemen that uh pardon me i'm gonna have another drink of coffee i kind of go wow it's almost science fiction here you know? oh, boy it'd be interesting if it was That's good coffee happening to someone else so there you go that was that and um let's see i got to talk to the big guy i got to talk to his nephew johnny for a minute that was fun seeing johnny i'm gonna be seeing him in a couple of three weeks, going to be going back over to Spokane for another Rocks Adventure. So there may not be a Bill and Diane show that weekend.
2: Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah, that'll be October the 8th, I believe. We may miss that one. Maybe we can, you know, post a rerun of show number one or something. We you know?
2: could. Yeah. Because probably the people who are listening now have never heard the show number one.
0: Uh. Well, yeah. And luckily, it's I think it's like twelve minutes long or something. It's not very long. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that was the. We had the no days idea what we, we were doing,
0: at that point. And but. that
2: was the days before we ever posted a song or do or. Yeah. yeah, but it was fun. Yeah,
0: it's true. So there you go. That's my week, in a nutshell. Unless you get, to, I got to see my mom on Monday. I went down to my mom's house. It's nice to be able to go to my mom's house and help her with a couple of things. Uh, at this point, just because I, I feel like I don't get down there often enough, let alone be able to do anything real for her. So, that's nice. So, that was good also. Anything else from you? I well, never really tossed it to you, did I? You never tossed it to I would say that it's been a creatively uh, challenging week here in Lake Abundance. But there was a certain amount of abundance to it as well. Over to you, Diane.
2: Well, my week is still kind of concentrated in two of my passions, and one of my passions I did not know, but two of our listeners, Mark and Kathy, are are into this passion as well, which oh. is the ancestry yes. research, because when I've been mentioning it before, I just thought, oh, you know, this is this is kind of a boring topic, but it isn't a boring topic <laughs> to me, not yeah. at all, yeah. and in fact, we've been watching this, this amazing program called Who Do You Think You Are, the BBC version. There's also, although they have Bradley Whitford as one of the, mm. once in the American version. I started watching a little of that and I thought, oh, I think we should watch this one. Okay. But, uh, and it's fascinating. And it's a hugely popular series. So obviously, this is not something that's boring even though it may appear so at times, um, when you're just saying this is an interest of mine. Yeah. Uh, but because I have the time and energy, I'm really pursuing this with uh, a little bit more gusto than I have in the past, because I can spend an entire day uh, looking at old documents. And and the other thing that is really interesting about Ancestry.com is they keep getting more documents in. So even if you don't find somebody or some document you're looking for, it doesn't mean that you never will. So I've been following that. And um, there's one line that I'm following right now. And anybody who's doing ancestry research knows that you get these blocks. You know, you can't seem to break through a block. So I had contacted my cousin, Richard, because um, I was wondering if he had any documents that might help me in the search for our family name that is his family too, right. you know? Uh, so, and he sent me uh, a packet this week that included all of my, grandfather my mother's father who died when my mom was three all of his drawings that I have somewhere or I don't know maybe I don't have them I know I gave the the originals to my brother because he's the one with with a son you know I don't have any children to um, send it down through but and my cousin only had copies but he made copies of his copies thinking that maybe I didn't have them and in fact, even if I do have them, I don't know where they are and finding these at this stage in my ancestry research was astonishing to me, because I knew about these drawings. They are incredibly intricate.: We've
0: seen them. We'd seen them before? Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, I've seen them throughout my life. Yeah. Um, they are incredibly intricate pencil uh, drawings but I had never put to, it together in my mind that they are actually the showing...
0: Places where your grandfather was.
2: Right, that because they're all, my, my grandfather had this real interest in perspective, in, in architecture, uh, and in rooms, where he would detail even the smallest of uh, details like a waste paper basket with paper in it or the the electrical outlet the, all the
0: little cubby holes on a roll top desk or something like and that
2: and papers on the roll top little frames on the top and stuff like that he was so this time when i was looking at these drawings i was thinking oh my gosh this is like seeing the the place where my grandfather lived, and and his father's office, and, and
0: you're looking through his eyes,
2: yeah, uh-huh. and it's like a little encapsulation of. I, I was telling you that it's almost like putting meat on some skeletal bones, mm-hmm. because not only was my grandfather an artist, which I already knew, but he was detailing the aspects of his life in these and then there was also this story that I always knew about too but when I was a kid I always thought oh yeah he wrote a, a bit of a story he never finished it but I read it this time and the thing that I really found interesting is he was talking about a person who was clearing land and some problems with um, with a real estate agent selling somebody um, a land that would need to be cleared, and he was talking about how difficult it was to get rid of big fir stumps and and all that. But at the very end, he said, "But he had been raised and educated with the matting city crowd, and to that matting crowd, he felt he must return to make a living." He knew that back in the settlement the people were not rich, but they were comfortable. This evening a group of the farmers and their wives would be in the assembly rooms of the the assembly room of the schoolhouse discussing good roads, good farming and good cooking. The young people would be dancing at the Grange Hall or holding hijinks in the reading rooms and libraries in the way high spirited young people should. At the little Methodist church, the widow and some friends were holding a prayer meeting in the good old Methodist way. At the little Catholic chapel, Hannah Hogan, Mary McGinnis, and their friends were worshiping in the good old Catholic way. And as James the Baptist paced the walk, he fancied he could see the Good Father looking down upon both little groups and saying, I hear you both, my good children. As James stepped into a coach crowded with Portland pleasure-seekers returning from the beach resorts, he found a seat beside a fashionably-dressed lady who opened her sleepy eyes, cast a furtive glance at her new seat partner, and then closed her eyes again in slumber. James soon followed suit and was soon dreaming that it was a beautiful moonlight, uh, moonlit night and that he was walking towards his farmer his excuse me it's it's really hard to read this Um, his former little ranch on the alder trail now a hard surfaced oregon highway and as he walked suddenly from out of the shadows of a group of alders came the most beautiful figure in blazing white which james seemed to recognize as a guardian angel and he looked upon the figure without fear but with the most wonderful admiration he had ever experienced and he heard it exclaiming all is well all is well and I just thought how interesting it was that this grandfather of mine who lived in a different century and um, and that he was experiencing the same struggles of country versus city life you know that there's a certain comfort and hominess in a certain kind of life that he knew he couldn't follow, even though, I mean, this is a character, but right. but even if it's a character, he's yeah. he's talking about the, the issues of that. And that really struck me in a different way than it ever had. And so these...
0: You're kind of getting a glimpse of his worldview. Yeah. Through that character. I
2: guess what I'm trying to say is that with this whole experience I have uh, of looking up the ancestry information I have experienced everything that I find about my ancestors in a different way because I've been seeing those pictures I've known about that story but I never thought this is a way to understand these people You know, yeah. I I was kind of astonished. It's by like that.
0: you're getting in through a side door. You're not getting to know many facts, but you're getting to know the people.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah. But one of the things that I have felt the most there there are two aspects of ancestry that I have really been interested in. One is the fact that my whole family, when I'm looking up their occupations, they were farmers. I mean, it's like any other occupation has only happened within the last couple of generations or a few generations. Before that, everybody was a farmer. And um, and it made me think about the wonderful Stephen Fry, um, Who Do You Think You Are series. His was my favorite. It was
0: one of the first ones we watched, wasn't it? It was.
2: Uh, Because I was always looking at, I'm such a fan of Stephen Fry, and he will dominate a little of this conversation because Stephen Fry has been a big part of my my week. But he had this one saying that he was, as he was uh, exploring his ancestry, which was a remarkable journey for him but he said this one thing that was so apt.
3: Of course I want to discover that in fact I'm descended from Heinrich Heiner, the Jewish-German poet, and uh, um, you know, I have a a blood that is as intellectually and aristocratically refined as it's possible to be. But I'm almost certain, of course, to find out as all human beings will in the end, if you go back far enough, that I'm just another ruddy peasant.
2: Stephen Fry also described the other thing that I have been experiencing through Ancestry, which is this remarkable gratitude for the lives that, and I'm going to get emotional here. I oh, unexpectedly no. emotional. Oh no! But
0: unexpectedly, Diane. Well,
2: <laughs> I was kind of not expecting my eyes to tear up at that moment. All of these ancestors were trying for a better life
0: and they traveled great distance to get them
2: and and experienced great hardships to get them
0: and left family members behind knowing they'd never see them again
2: yeah and so my experience of looking into ancestry is one of immense gratitude for for the life that i have i mean when you think about how many people died of Disease at young ages. The and this thing that Stephen Price summed up his own family history. Really, because he's such an amazing speaker. Speaker. It says it better than I ever could say.
3: I look at my family now: my nephews, my sister, my brother, my parents, and realize how unlikely it is that any of us exists. Yes. There you are. There's how Lamb. Their parents were straws in the wind of a very malevolent kind of history and the chance of them ever coming to rest seemed so unlikely. There he is. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> Sweet guy. We're so lucky simply to be alive.
2: That has been preoccupying my mind quite a lot uh, because as I was telling you and I may have even said this when I was talking about ancestry before but there is a, a game-like quality of it because you are really trying to find these documents and um, documents that will prove the this relation to this and also to find out a little bit more about your family's history. With your family, there's tons of stuff. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because your family, your family weren't all farmers. Your family were in politics and banking and, um, merchants, merchants, uh, people of some note in their communities, I think. And you had people in the revolutionary war and, you know, all sorts of different, um, things. So I found a lot of stories about your family, but those people who were from immigrant families as mine were, it's a lot harder to, to find the the documents
0: puzzle pieces
2: so it's it's kind of fun it's also frustrating at times uh, but it has all the aspects of a a puzzle you know
0: and you never know it's it's not because you dip in and out of ancestry.com you know if you put up a couple of pieces you know, you might be filling in a blank for somebody else, and when you come back a couple of months later, somebody else has filled in other pieces based on your pieces.
2: Yeah, exactly. And
0: so you, then you've got more to work with, and you, so you kind of can build it slowly over time. Uh, and yeah, I imagine it is more frustrating than to be able to, for everything to just line up. I think my family's just been in, on this continent a lot longer, and that's why it's easier to track down the history. when you When you're looking overseas for records, Not always.
2: Well, especially in Belgium that had been really, uh, that's a very difficult place to find. They don't even have collections from Belgium. But anyway, so that's been a part of my week. But the other part also involves Stephen Fry. Because (laughs) last week we were talking about the daimons uh, that we had. And that was Greek gods or entities. And so I had talked about, maybe I should reread Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey, but then I thought, wait a minute, Stephen Fry, I have his CD collection of Mythos, where he reads it, and Stephen Fry is just such an amazing story reader. And in Mythos, he not only describes the the Greek gods, But he tells their stories in these fascinating ways that are total Stephen Fry with humor, with erudite education. And I thought this little clip uh, from a talk show. He talks about how this all came about and it was really interesting to me uh, now Stephen Fry Stephen Fry Yes, sir uh, brings us well. I say sequel. It's more of a continuation
3: Yes of your best-selling book God. of Greek mythology mythos. This is heroes uh, It's out now, and I mean the first one was such a huge hit it was wasn't it It was a big surprise to me I was delighted by it. I've always loved Greek myths and mm. I actually it started I found myself a year and a half ago. It's around a table at someone's house, and we were all just talking about Creation myths and where they come from and I started telling the story of the early Greek gods the first ones and they all went well, What didn't I know about that and you know where Zeus came from because everyone's heard mm-hmm. of certain names But they don't necessarily know how they go together and someone said well you should write them So I, I started to and now uh, this one is it carries point. on to the yes. heroes. Yes. Yeah. yes, this is more of the human exactly by this gods. time as oh, yeah. it were it's getting to be more human and they're clearing up the world Ridding it of monsters and so on.
2: And because it's written in
3: this very kind of conversational way, all the dialogue is very kind of everyday, is that you kind of trying to get the reader to make connections between these stories and our own lives? Sort of. I mean, there's no question that for a lot of people just a Greek word looks somehow as if it belongs more to a schoolroom than to a story because we think of Greek as being an academic thing, ancient Greek, whereas, of course, to the Greeks it wasn't and it isn't now. And I also wanted to create an atmosphere Um, My favourite Greek god in some ways is Hestia, perhaps the least well-known of the firstborn of the Olympians, who's the goddess of the hearth. And and the hearth, Mm -hmm. when you think about it, all our ancestors, whatever our ethnicity, all our ancestors gathered around flames at night to, to stay warm and to protect themselves from animals, and they told stories about things over which they had no control, like where does they tell their children where thunder comes from and why there's fire coming out of the mountain, and everything you can't understand and control you give a name a God Uh, and so these Mm. gods were uh, Developed personalities around the fire and and now I think we can safely say we've lost the hearth. You know we don't eat round tables anymore Uh, Someone's got a PlayStation in that room and they they get a delivery of pizza into it and someone else has got another They're streaming things in another room. Nobody gathers around and shares stories anymore We've lost our focus. We've lost our hearth. so I'm trying in the books to recreate the the relaxed Feeling of sitting around a fire, listening to stories, which I think is a primal thing. Listening to them together. Um,
2: yeah. So Stephen Fry has been dominating my week in. I've also ways. been
0: listening to Stephen Fry read the uh, collected Sherlock Holmes stories by Arthur Conan Doyle, and he does a nice job of that too. He has his own little introductions to the to the stories and things like that that are nice.
2: I think the thing that so impresses me and. Uh, for those of uh, another passion of mine has always been etymology and um, understanding origins of phrases and words, but um, there is so much that comes from Greek mythology because the whole world first starts with chaos, and that's what he is talking about. But then each of the the various uh, gods and goddesses that he introduces he introduces all the words that came from their names and it's it's just an amazing storytelling that he does and so if anybody has an interest in that kind of thing man do i recommend mythos and and i think it would be lovely to read it but to have him read it is the treat and he has now got this He's now also got, as this uh, clip had said, he's also got another series called Heroes, which is the the human uh, Greek aspects that were brought in. So, wow.
0: so it's been a fascinating week for Diane. It's been a you know passably operative week for Bill. I think I'm functioning. Uh, I wouldn't call it high function but I would call it function. Very little form, but some function. You know what I'm saying?
2: I really see how people uh, can really devote a lot of time to these various topics and uh, that I have fascinated me because really the week seems to go so fast huh. because <laughs> I'm either working... Or doing this. And what I thought that I would want to do with my retirement was to research.
1: Yeah.
2: And man, the the topics that I've chosen are endless wells for research. And that's why it's so amazing to be able to be a part of this at this time of my life. Because it's keeping, definitely keeping your mind engaged, but engaged in something that really is fascinating rather than you know like my work was interesting but it didn't what it was evoking in me that was the the, the things that i appreciated was my organizational skill ways to make things better you know th- yeah. there's that kind of aspect of me yeah. but but this is these kind of passions that i am pursuing of mythology and the tarot is is just a subset of mythology um the ancestry all of these things are so passionately engaging it's just like lighting up everything in your brain rather than just how do i organize this how do i make this better yeah. and i don't think i anticipated that as much in my retirement. How much that would uh, that it would make my life so much better, and the other thing that is is dovetailing in with this is that I'm reading uh, another Robertson Davies book uh, that is called What's Bred in the Bone, and the whole book is about how family histories influence, and it's a fictional book, but how each piece of a family history is adding to who you are mm. and what you were interested in. Even though each individual is solely their own self they also are part of a family that has influenced every bit of their nature.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I've been swimming in poetry in the same way that you've been swimming in these other things. So it's interesting that retirement offers you a chance to be probably busier than you were when you were working
2: well because uh, you were engaging, your engaging in your because you were engaging
0: in your passions and, and yeah you, you talk about time going by fast I mean it's like I mean you know we've all experienced that thing where you're so into something that time ceases to exist and you look up and six hours have gone by and you forgot to eat, eat lunch and you, you know you forgot to take your medication whatever and uh, because you've been so enthralled in what you're doing uh, we've all experienced that but when you've got nothing else pulling you away from that. So to where you can spend entire days in that state, yeah, time does go by fast. Because like you say, it's a bottomless thing. And so the sense of any one day's progress is, I don't know, it, you, there is no goal to get to other than whatever you accomplish that day. So you have this incredible sense of onwardness about it that is lovely and the only limitation on that is you know how long you last on the planet to continue what you're doing
2: i think that a lot of people gain this this interest in their family tree when they're older and do have more time to explore it but also because you have more of an appreciation of what it takes to live a life And then you realize, as Stephen Fry had said earlier, how greatly, uh, that it's so amazing that you ever came into being and that you, that you are able to survive. And so then you become far more interested in how your ancestors did that in much harsher times than we have. I mean, we always think that we're in the worst times ever. Well, I don't know. Like when I think about the Civil War that my second great-grandfather, George Thomas Jocelyn, was a member of. Sergeant in the on the Union side. And I just have been piecing together parts of his story that are just evident from the documents. That... In the census, after he came back from the war, he none of his children were with him. His wife had died, and I think all of his children were sent to foster homes because he was a military man, and I don't know. Yeah. You know, these are the sorts of stories, but I feel like during the Civil War, would you have thought that that was the worst of times? I bet you would, yeah. you know? So, anyway.
0: Cool. So, music, Diane.
2: You had been talking about this particular album for a yeah, while. Yeah. Um, well, it's
0: just—it's one of the first rock and roll albums that I uh, was aware of. I think my sister had a copy of it, and, uh, but I remember appropriating it and listening to it front to back and really enjoying it. And I was first made aware of Rod Stewart by a friend of ours on Fox Island, Sue Beer, who had this album. And she loved to, you know, do the do the hairbrush singing on Maggie Mae, you know? She said, because she had seen Rod Stewart in concert, and he, she said he leans back and belts it out in this, and you know, so she would try to imitate him. And uh, I first heard this record on Fox Island, and, and when I was just a kid and so it had a, it has had an impact on me but there's a lot of great songs on this record so I thought we would dip into that as a kind of classic representation of early musical influence
2: well I sure love this song it's a great song it's a great I song. think that it's one of my favorites that he's ever done yeah. that and quite i don't frankly, think I don't
0: think he wrote I'm, I'm I can't swear to who wrote it
2: Well, he's just a great interpreter of music, too, you know. Like, I was telling you that he had done, um, with the London Symphony Orchestra, he sang Pinball Wizard uh, by The Who, you know, by Pete Townsend of The Who. And I loved that Pinball Wizard more than any other version of Pinball Wizard. So... I'll tell you. He is a great interpreter of song.
0: There you go. It's a little Rod Stewart.
1: Thing that I know I love you. Oh, the snow fell without a break. Buffalo died in the frozen fields, you know. Through the coldest winter. In almost 14 years I couldn't believe You kept a smile Now I can rest assured Knowing that we seem the worst And I know I love